everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Vargamilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bond. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm tweaking the closet recording setup that I'm currently using, so I'm trying to make sure that my sound is kind of still decent. I'm actually sitting in a chair now. But I'm still in the closet because I still don't have a desk. Yes, but moving to a chair is still a huge step for you. I know. At least like I'm sitting on something that isn't the floor. But because of supply chain issues in America currently and around the rest of the world as well, uh, any desk I order is not going to get here for some time. So uh, I-, I feel you. My washer broke. Um, it's going it, it, to things are things are sad. Um, I'm really, really hoping that they call this week and tell me that it's coming because I would really like to be able to do laundry and not have to go to a laundromat. Uh, we had to do that when uh, we had a, a thing where like we nobody in our building could use their dryers because of some like lint fire hazard situation. So Rude. we had to like do a whole summer of like hang drying and going to the laundromat and it was not... It was not fun. I'm very spoiled first world problems. I will freely admit this. <laughs> At least we have a laundromat. Like, that's what I told myself. Because, you know, I live in a pretty uh, decent suburb that's uh, the kind of place where you don't usually have laundromats. But there is actually one pretty close because we also have a giant college right nearby. And thank heavens for those children and their, uh, and, and their needs to do laundry. Otherwise, I would be screwed. Anyway, what are we talking about today? <laughs> uh, people who did not have laundromats. Oh I yeah, guess. I suppose that's true. Um, we are we are diving back into our classics revisited series and tackling a show that is a favorite of mine. It's really like heartwarming and wonderful, and stars literally every famous British actress of a certain generation that you can possibly think of, and that is Cranford. And actually, we are doing this by request. Um, Jody uh, Williamson uh, is the one who actually asked us to do this uh, after we did North and South uh, last year. Thank you for your request, Jody. Yeah. So uh, this is this is a, this is a little bit of a of a, a an easy lift for both of us. Like we're not gonna lie. Um, I know it, this is not this is not a this is not a heavy challenge for um me and thank uh, you and honestly like i'm really <laughs> as much as i love mysteries and the fact that we are like going to be surrounded by mysteries it's nice to have something um that's just light um i mean that's the thing about cranford that got me in this because i watched it originally when it came out in 2008 um and this is this is basically one of the first things that was like on masterpiece classics like right after it changed from like masterpiece theater to masterpiece classics and masterpiece contemporary and all that like um and i remember watching this and um i'd forgotten how like sort of nothingness it is and everythingness if that makes any sense like nothing happens and everything happens <laughs> i actually think and maybe it's because uh, we just did an episode on North and South fairly recently in this series. But watching this again after watching that um, has really like it really sort of got me in the sense that I think Cranford is a little more kind of progressive and subversive than I originally thought it was, which was really kind of fun watching it this time around. You want you want to say more about that because you know the fact is is that yes it is I think the the way it's focused on women and the way that it sort of um, 
you know, these are women in a, in what, 19 or 1842, I believe. Um, basically, it's like a year in the life almost. Um, like it's, you know, each, each episode is like, you know, like June um, and then suddenly it's November and then it's May of the next year. So it's like 1842, 1843, 1844-ish, um, which is just the beginning of Victoria's reign. And we know at this point that, you know, women are very, you know, their lives are very structured and they're not you know, allowed a lot of freedom. And I, I think, you know, seeing people, honestly, there's a little bit of we work within the system, how to work within the system of the patriarchy and find happiness is, but also just like that, that these people have like that these people's lives are important and that we're telling their story. I think it's important to note that this is a story about women who are not married. Oh, yes, that's true. A lot of these women are widows. Some of them are spinsters. Some of them are just single. But they are women who exist together communally outside of sort of a male dominated space. And they have formed their own little little community that helps and supports each other and they have a surprising amount of agency and personal power because they exist outside of that space. Um, how how would you explain the plot of this? Because it's sort of okay. First of all, for those who aren't who aren't um up on Elizabeth Gaskell, who is the uh, author whose works this is based on, this is actually uh, who also wrote North and South. Yes, just a little FYI. Um. Basically, this is taking three novels, Cranford, My Lady Ludlow, and Mr. Harrison's Confessions, and sort of twining them together into three stories in one. Um, and that's it's not a bad thing. It's just that it's um, it does make trying to describe it to somebody a little difficult because it's sort of like everything's sort of happening all at once and nothing's happening at the same time. I think in a big picture way, I would say it is the story of... The, the the titular market village called Cranford, which is in Cheshire. And it is basically the story of kind of progress and change. It's it's a it's a small a slice of life small town story about just sort of the day to day happenings in this village. Like a new doctor arrives in town. Yes. And shakes up everything. But it's it's But he doesn't really shake up anything and he just marries some nice girl at the end. Yeah, it's a it's a story about a a, a very specific place that's in a very specific time period and how resistant to change a lot of the people who live there are, but how the change is coming anyway, whether they whether they like it or not. And also it's it's a lot about the relationships between all the women and just how the the town itself kind of has a personality. I think, you know, they're all obsessed with propriety and manners. And there's literally a woman whose sole job it appears to be to run around and tell everybody the latest gossip yeah. that is happening. Speaking of which, we should talk about the fact um, one of the reasons why this seems like a really good moment to do Cranford, um, other than, you know, we had we had some space between North and South and now um, is also because this is one of those shows where every so often a show comes along on the BBC, which ha- stars every single person you've ever seen on any every PBS show, all just sort of remixed together in a different format. 
Um, and we have one coming up re- uh, in the next few weeks uh, called Sherwood. And it actually was part of what made me think of Cranford because Cranford is literally everybody you've ever seen in every PBS show all together in one series. And like it, 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 it really is a who's who of of actresses um, and actors like uh, Francesca Annis is Lady Ludlow. Um uh, they're the the Jenkins sisters who are Eileen Atkins and um um um. um Let me just run down the list of like big names okay. who are in this. Like literally, it's ev- like if you could assemble a period drama in a lab, basically <laughs> the show would be that show. It's got Judy Dench. It's got Eileen Atkins. It's got Amelda Staunton. It's got Julia McKenzie, Ju- uh, Julia Swahila, Jim Carter, Leslie Manville, Francesca Annis, Michael Gambon, Philip Glenster, Alex Jennings, and Andrew Buchan, all in like the same show. Right. It's wild. Yeah. The Jenkins sisters, Judy Dench and Eileen Atkins, are kind of sort of central characters. They're sort of the stars of the Cranford part of the story. Um, Fran- Francesca Annis is Lady Ludlow, so she's sort of the star of the My Lady Ludlow story. And then there's Mr. Harrison's Confession. He is the doctor who comes into town. Um, he's played by Simon Woods. Um, but he falls in love with Alex Jennings' daughter, Um uh, who's the reverend and uh, uh, the daughter is Kimberly Nixon her name is Sophie um honestly this is one of those things where I kind of have to look to see what their actual character names is because as I was watching I was like oh look uh Alex Jennings daughter is being courted by Simon Woods and like I didn't actually like know what their character names were because they were all actors to me um Mrs. Rose who's played by Leslie Manville is uh also wants to uh court Dr. Harrison and um uh, uh, who is the third one off the top of my head? Uh, one of the Tompkins sisters. Uh, also, uh, I think she's the one that actually announces that she's engaged to him, and he's as startled about that as everybody else. Um, and they basically, like, it, so there's sort of this funny love triangle that's not quite a love triangle, it's just all a bunch of misunderstandings. Um, and it's all just delightful. <laughs> but back to, the, back to the subversive progress of it all. Like, you know, he's the the vehicle by which like more modern medical procedures are introduced to the world of Cranford. Oh, and also the railroad is coming. Oh, right. Um, so the reason that Dr. Harrison is such a catch is because when he first comes to town, he basically, rather than amputate uh, a leg the way that would happen normally when a farmer gets injured, he uses modern medicine and saves the guy's leg and basically makes it so that he doesn't, you know, basically makes it so he can keep working and keep having a livelihood and stay alive. And it's a, it, it, you know, like it's that's the kind of, as you said, the railroad is coming. Um, There's a whole secondary story um, where uh, um, there's a, a, a again, I, I keep thinking of the actor and not the actual uh, uh, character. Um, basically, he he keeps asking this woman to marry him and she keeps saying no. And it's because she thinks she needs to stay with her dad. Uh, her dad is, by the way, Jim Carter, Captain Brown. Um, he is he's the one who's Jim Carter's the one who's pushing for the railroad and as soon as the railroad gets here he's out of here and he plans to be traveling all the time and she's kind of like oh why did I say I don't want to get married and feels really stupid about it and it's 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 you know like because she never considered that the change was coming while he's been sort of like see, seeing the, uh, the the potential of the railroad and meanwhile like you know there's there's others who are completely threatened by like um 
Barbara Flynn is the one who basically wanders around uh, pretending she's an aristocrat. Um, and she's the one who every time something cha- something with change happens, she like freaks out and like starts spreading rumors about how terrible it's going to be. Um, I will try to to summarize like sort of the main push of the series initially, at least revolves around Deborah and Maddie, two <laughs> siblings who are played by Eileen Atkins and Judy Dench. And they have I'm not sure how exactly she's related to them, but a young woman named Mary Smith comes to stay with them. And that's kind of one of the big kickoffs of all this change that is happening because she's she's coming to board with them. And she is uh, well, she's a little different than than the sisters are. Uh, Deborah, who is Eileen Atkins, is a lot a lot more assertive. She's a lot more strict about these are the rules of propriety that have to be involved you know have to be observed you can only have candles on at like this many hours of the day like she has very firm opinions about what women are allowed to do and stay respectable and maddie who is judy dench is the quieter sort of softer sister who is i think clearly like a product of the fact that she grew up with a sister like deborah and She's very used to following in her footsteps and not putting up a lot of fuss and not sharing her opinions, especially if they might differ from her sisters. And a big arc of the series is the way that Maddie ultimately finds a voice of her own and how their new house guest basically kind of introduces the two of them and a lot of the other women in the town to more modern uh, more like more modern attitudes about like what women can and should be allowed to do. Yeah, um, I actually uh, Maddie to me is kind of almost the heroine of this. I know that there's a level where like the romance uh, is sort of the that is supposed to be sort of central to these sorts of things, and you know the show ends with uh, Sophie and and Doctor Harrison getting married. But honestly, like the first time I watched it, Maddie to me was kind of the heroine. And I was um this is one of those few this is one of the few series where like they actually have the nerve to kill off like a major character. I know, and it's so unexpected and it's just really like like you think it's gonna be a joke, but it's real and it's it's very I I had not watched this in a while since before I watched it for for Classics Revisited and I I was genuinely like shocked all over again. Yeah. Um and that 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 sort of is is sort of the 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 thing that that's like the thing that like basically gets Maddie to to be to find her voice and grow up and start to talk for herself and really like take charge of her life. And I always thought of that as sort of like, you know, she was the one I always rooted for when I watched this when I was when when it first came out. I did too, but I don't know if that's because of her character or just because I will literally go to war for Judy Dench. <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> um, but by, by the way, I had forgotten that Amelia that Amelda Staunton was uh, is uh, Octavia Pole, the gossip, the the self appointed news crier of the town, basically. Um, and uh, you know, she and Jim Carter have were have been married since like the 1980s. This is yet another project where the two of them got to be on screen together without actually being like characters that were married in any kind of way. Um, I love I love her too, just because she's such a jolt of of comic relief in any scene that she's in. 
and every every time that Octavia Pole shows up, like it really is like everything. It almost it's almost like the whole thing speeds up like a half point because she talks so fast and she has so much gossip and she has so much energy, and then she blows back out again, and everybody's like, oh. I um, I thought I I thought about because you were ta- we were talking about Doctor Harrison's sort of medical miracles. And I, I just there's so much that's like satisfying in the smallest moments about the show. There is a scene that I remember specifically is it's in the, it's very early on in the first episode. And and Dr. Harrison is is performing some kind of experimental surgery on someone. I don't remember what it is, but I do remember that all the women like come together sort of spearheaded by Deborah to like gather up the end their ends of candles that they've been using because, you know, they're all about economizing. So they <laughs> so they use they use the wicks like right down to the bottom, but they all like donate them to the cause so that uh, Dr. Harrison can perform this operation with enough light to see by. And I just like, it's that kind of thing. That's so like, it should not be like a moment that you applaud in a movie theater when something like this happens, but this show makes it like that. And I love it. Yeah. I, the show also, it, it really is sort of, as I said, this is the sort of, you know, you, you think that doesn't seem like a really big thing to build like a major emotional moment around, but it really is because that's the kind of thing that you need to get by in these times. And especially like in modern day where we simply don't have that kind of community anymore. Um, because you don't need it to get by. You don't need it to survive in the same sort of way. Like, I think that's part of why it's so satisfying to watch. Because it's something we don't have as much anymore. Um, I think... Well, I th- I, th- I think we could have a whole other conversation about whether or not we still need to do that nowadays. Because I think that's a something uh, that's very strongly divided on kind of like class lines in our current society. Mm. And if you live in a more rural or or poorer sort of neighborhood, that kind of community is is exactly how those places still thrive. But that's a whole nother topic for another episode. What I will change the subject to is I love I think the thing I love the most about Cranford out of many things is it would be really easy to make all these women because they're all very uh, in, in many ways. Uh, they're very high strung they kind of feel like caricatures sometimes it would be really easy to make the show about them all being the butt of the joke and to make it about look at these you know look at this modern doctor who's come in and like revitalize this town full of backward people or just like laugh at at how much they really do love the community they've made and how and how they genuinely fear it going away or turning into something that they don't recognize, but the show doesn't do that at all. Like it just says, here are their idiosyncrasies. Yes, they're they're weird in their own little ways, but but their story still has value and their story is still worth telling and we're not going to make fun of them for it. Um, I think it's also Im- important to note that this is a uh, this was a production that was spearheaded by women and written by women. Uh, the woman who was the woman who sort of uh, drove this project is the same one who was behind the 1995 Pride and Prejudice and the 1996 Emma. I did not 
know that, but that makes perfect sense to me. Um, also, and this is actually my favorite part because I realized this about about partway through watching, is that um, it's it's uh the the person who wrote it is um Heidi Thomas um who uh, yep. call the midwife. Yes, and I I I thought that was something that was very I I thought that really. This is actually the pro. This and Return to Cranford were basically the two things she did right before she did Call the Midwife. It's hard to imagine her doing anything other than Call the Midwife because Call the Midwife has been on for no. Yonks, but like but- if you if you look at it, because this was done in two thousand seven and two thousand. This was done in two thousand seven. They did Return to Cranford in two thousand nine slash two thousand ten, and then basically we had Call the Midwife. Like that was her next big project. That ah. Uh- that really does make a lot of sense because I can, like thinking about it from that perspective, I can see a lot of similarities in the way that the relationships between all these women are written. Um, I also thought and um, this is actually something that I went and looked up because um, I was uh, I, I was sort of curious about like who did who, who were all the people behind this? Was it directed by a woman? It wasn't directed by a woman, but the guy who directed it, Simon Curtis, is the dude who did uh, the last Downton Abbey movie, The New Era. Gosh, there is everything is a circle in the world of British entertainment. Right. And 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 that was actually the thing that had made me that that made me think to myself about how like Jim Carter and Emilia Staunton keep keep showing up in the same keep showing up in projects where they're not actually married to each other. And I was like, you know, that anyway, that that's where that thought came from. <laughs> um uh, I'll say just because we keep referencing it, Return to Cranford is sort of the sequel series to Cranford. Maybe we'll do an episode on that someday, too. It was like a Christmas special, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, basically Cranford yeah. the Christmas special. Okay. But it's several episodes, I think. So I think it's two episodes, if I recall correctly. But yeah, it's pretty much if Cranford did a Christmas special, here's what it would look like. Okay. I think when it aired over here, it was two episodes. I don't know if it aired more in the UK. I'd have to look that up. Oh, right. I hate when we do that, by the I way. Know. And I wish we would stop doing it. I'll go look it up because I don't remember. I know over here when it aired, it aired in two parts, but that doesn't mean it did in the UK. Um, uh, I did love the fact. Yeah, I mean the fact that they this is one that they didn't mess with when they brought it over. It's five episode. It was five episodes in the UK, and it's five episodes on PBS Passport. And uh, there's none of there's no trying to fold anything in or trying to make anything fit. It really is just. It it is allowed to be exactly as long as it is and be as good as it is, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, you know, it, as you said, that's a thing that we do here in in on PBS with uh, British shows. And like, I understand why we do it, but also like, I really wish we didn't. No, apparently mm-hmm. it was two episodes in the UK as well. Yeah, I just I remembered that Return to Cranford is a little bit shorter than sort of Cranford original recipe. Yeah, apparently, apparently it 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 aired in December on the twentieth and the twenty seventh, so it basically aired on either side of Christmas. Yeah, Cranford, the Christmas special. Yeah, whereas I think we we aired it sometime like in the spring or something because we always do that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Anyway, I I just I found this to be like it was so soothing. Mm-hmm. It's very much comfort TV. Um, you know, I have a tendency to watch screeners while I work, um, at, at, and, and while I'm writing other things, um, because I have, you know, that's the only way I'm going to get through all of the television that is happening to us all at once, all the time. Um, and actually, it, 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 it actually highlighted how much energy, uh, Paul brings in and Amelia Stone brings in because every time she showed up on screen, I jumped. <laughs> And if I was writing, like, I'd start to write, like, what she was saying rather than what I was thinking. 
<laughs> I don't know if wow. you do that, but like whenever I hear things in my ears, sometimes I'll start writing that instead of what I was thinking. And yeah, it causes very odd sentences. I do not do that. <laughs> uh, one thing I think the show doesn't also get enough credit for is the fact that it is just a really simple story. You yes. know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of shows feel like they have to be, you know, we have to have several competing plot lines among several different groups of major characters. Usually in shows like this, they'd be upstairs, downstairs characters. If you're not sitting there taking notes, you're clearly not doing enough. Yeah, I mean, there's just something to be said for the fact that it's a really simple, straightforward story that just has a lot of heart. And I think I think sometimes we forget about how much that can count for. Mm. If that makes sense. Yes, I can totally see that. Um, it's also one of the things I really like about it is that it was so is that it's, you know, it's not asking a lot of me and it's not it's just giving it just gives you warm fuzzies and makes it feel like it's it, you know, especially this week. And uh, um, we're recording this uh, uh, ahead of the Queen's funeral. Um, so this watching these episodes was in between like watching the BBC and watching all the different uh, watching the, the, the coffin move from here to there and Charles going to, you know, Ireland and Wales and Scotland and all that. And like, it was really nice to have this to sort of turn to. Yeah, it is really like the next time you have a sick day, if we still do things like sick days in our new world, world weird world where we work from home all the time. Like it's I a do great... sick days. I actually work. I, I work from. I work from my comfy chair when I'm sick. <laughs> but it's a great, like it's a great sick day show. And I think, lest I sound like the show is perfect, the show isn't perfect. It definitely has some stuff that I wish it. I, there's some stuff that I can kind of leave here. Like I don't particularly like, um, the whole. I know the whole like let's give the cow an outfit is supposed oh, to be Oh, I hate It's supposed to be like really cute and quirky. No, it I really I isn't. could really have done without that. And I don't particularly like uh what's Barbara Flynn's character's name? Like Mrs. Jameson. Like mm-hmm. I don't really like her. Well, I think you're not supposed to like her. I mean But I don't really like I don't really I don't really feel like her character adds that much to the story, is maybe what I mean. Mm, more okay. of that. Because there's so many characters and so many heavy hitters on this show. Like if you're not pulling your weight, you need to get out. It's <laughs> basically what I it's basically how I feel about it. Um, and and so many of them are like pulling their weight. Like even the stuff with the uh with the lace and the cat. Like the silly stuff. Oh, I love that because <laughs> it's got a cat. Well, of course you love that because it's got a cat. Um, my I, I if you really just want, I'll like your dumb plot line if it's about a cat. That's all I got. Um, but, Did it eat it? Yes, it, it eats the yeah. it eats the piece of lace. And Although then, honestly, as anybody else who owns cats knows, that's very like that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. No, um, that happened. I I uh, I, I I once had to uh, take a uh, a uh, mat or Max to the the vet because I was worried that he'd eaten like too many hair bands. He had not. Oh yeah, thankfully. I don't keep those in the house anymore because Hammer would eat them. Um, I'm so thankful that scrunchies came back and I never have to worry about that again because now I just have scrunchies and he thinks that those are toys, not food. Well, they're bigger. It would take him longer to eat them. <laughs> but like, I I always feel bad like complaining about the cow storyline because it's like Julia McKenzie who is iconic, and but also like the cow has has pajamas on so (laughs) it strikes me whenever i see that that scene in particular actually reminded me how much we as a society think differently of animals now on screen 
and how like even even in 2007 when this was filmed like you probably would have used a real cow in like all creatures great and small for like birthing scenes and now you don't because it's considered cruelty to animals and so unless it's an actual trained vet the people are using fake cows and i feel like this is part of a a a, a mindset that we you know, we always talk about how like we, we we're more we're I hate using the word woke, but you know like we're we're more aware now, and like I I feel like this is one of those things that's almost it's almost a silly version of that, and yet it's the same thing. I mean, am I a bad person if I'm just like I don't really care that they put the cow in clothes? I just thought it was dumb. <laughs> I just thought I was like I was I was like man, it would would my thought really was more of would they do that today? Would you actually get a cow in pajamas on screen today in the same way? And I sort of, went- me of the, it reminds me of that meme about like how horses would wear pants. <laughs> and and I just don't. This is not mesh for me. But it's like I don't I don't. This show does such a good job of showing you all the different idiosyncrasies of these women and why they are the way they are and how they've come by a lot of their sort of oddities and quirks naturally. I don't need like. Like I don't I don't need to see that one of them puts their animals in clothes. Yes, but at the same time, even so, it is still nice to her about it. Like even as it's ridiculous and making you laugh, we're not laughing at her. You know? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important is that is that nothing about the show, even even at, at its most let's just say whimsical, is is laughing at them. Yeah. I, I could see that. Um I also, I just, I I don't think I've ever, like, sat there and, like, just counted the actors in that quite the same way. Um, I, I think I did for Sherwood, and I, I think that this is this is the closest that I've seen to this. But it's really, it, it, it doesn't happen that often that you get all of them all at once at, in one project like this. That everybody's schedule just works out and they all show up at once. I mean, especially because so many of them are, are, I'm making air quotes, like the sort of grand dames of of British acting. Like, I mean, the only person who's missing here is Maggie Smith. It's, I mean, it's true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, there's, uh, let's see, Leslie Sharp is missing. Um, who else is missing? Uh, well, she shows up in Return to Cranford. Basically, all the people who are missing, except for Maggie Smith, show up in Return to Cranford. Also, Tom Hiddleston looking hot. And very young. Oh, that's right. Of course. Well, I mean, oh, Jonathan Price is also the one who's in Return to Cranston, who I was trying to think of. Oh, Jodie Whittaker, Michelle Dockery. Um, yeah, the it's it it really we should like I said, I, the only person they're missing is Maggie <laughs> Maybe she was busy. Um, I mean, honestly, like I really. I'm I'm glad that we came back to this one and I'm glad that we've sort of covered the Elizabeth Gaskell stuff cuz you know this is sort of the thing that we don't um this is this is masterpiece's first like attempt at trying to modernize their classics and yet it's still so throwback to masterpiece theater in a lot of ways that we don't get them in this kind of way anymore. Like I said I think I think it's important to like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a great example of the fact that you can do 
period dramas that still and North and South is also a great example of this that you can have a really traditional classic style period drama that still has something meaningful to say to a contemporary audience because I think like I said I, this time around I really found Cranford to to have an, an underlying message that maybe maybe I missed because I hadn't watched North and South in close enough proximity to it um so would you want to see Cranford redone today? That was the other thought that I kept trying to have is would they redo this? Who would you even put in it? Well, of course. Like there there is a level of there there, there is the there is definitely the princess bride problem of a perfect cast that can never be recreated. Um but just in general as a story, like leaving leaving aside that this is the a-list version and will always be the a-list version you know in the same way that pride and prejudice 1995 is the perfect not pride and prejudice they still went and made more of them you know so clearly clearly they're gonna and they'll keep making them because that's the way it works um if would you want to see them try and make a cranford tv series here in the 2020s ah i don't know I don't know. And I think it's because it's so hard for me to mentally separate like Cranford, the story from Cranford, all the people that are in this version of the story. Well, I I, I, I totally accept that because there is a level where, like, as I said, when I was watching it, I, did, I didn't register any of the character names. Um, It took me forever to realize that, like, you know, Jim Carter was a reverend because he's just Jim Carter uh, <laughs> or sorry, Captain. Sorry. You know, like and it, it and and. All the other ones that had titles, like, I was just like, oh, well, uh, the Honorable Mrs. James didn't know that's just Barbara Flynn. <laughs> but I, I do think it it makes a really compelling argument for the fact that sometimes I, I think people who make these shows make them a little more complicated than they have to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think this is a really strong argument. This is just a really basic, simple story about people. And it's not... It, it, it's not like a state it's not making you know it's not a statement drama it's not trying to balance being like three different subgenres within one it's not trying it's not it it knows what it is and it's okay with that mm. and i think i don't know i think we could we could do a lot worse than having some more kind of just simple I use the word traditional, but I don't I don't mean that in like a in a going backwards kind of sense, but in a in a a less busy kind of sense, maybe. Mm. I'm not I'm I don't know. I'm expressing this badly. But I think there's a blueprint here worth following. I, I get exactly what you're trying to say, because there is a level, especially now, in the prestige TV era, where a period drama can't just be a period drama. You know, it has to be a period drama and a mystery, and a romance, and a historical drama, and a war story, and, uh, you know, like, Mm -hmm. it it can't just be one thing. It can't just be, you know, an old-fashioned comedy, the kind when, where comedy means it ends with a wedding, right? Like, that's... (laughs) No, no, seriously, though, like, like, this is the old school kind of comedy, like, not laugh out loud, uh, you know, gross out, but comedy meaning that it's not a tragedy, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I think that that's not something that we get a lot of right now because it's not seen as 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 enough 
I mean, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, and I don't mean sexy in a in a sort of people hooking up way, but I mean, it's just not sexy in the way we view our media currently. Yes. Like, it's not, it, no one will watch that. It's not going to, we need to make sure that we have the mystery watchers in there too. And we need to make sure that we got like the people who like war stories. And we need to make sure that we got the people who like good costumes. And we need, and we need, no, you don't. You know? I mean, their bonnets are really not that attractive. Okay, yes, I will say that that is actually also the other thing about this show that actually sort of startled me. Um, rewatching it is I had forgotten about the bonnets, and I it, it was one of those moments where it's like that's why we don't do bonnets anymore. This is why when period pieces come, people <laughs> eschew the bonnets because honestly, like Amelia Staunton, like she's basically this face in a in in a circle of fabric. Right. And and so many of them very much look like one of the things about um well, one of the things about like the major characters, like someone like Judy Dench almost seems to like move. Be- she she acts so much that she moves beyond her bonnet. But there are definitely some characters and, and, and some actors who just they, they're just stuck in it. And there's no getting around the fact that their face <laughs> is just framed at all times. I also think it's um it's interesting that I feel like I, I'm not a costuming expert by any means, but to me, these costumes feel very true to life in the sense that these are not people who are particularly wealthy. Yes. So their clothing is not, this isn't like down Abbey clothes. Do you know what I mean? Like right. these are very like normal serviceable looking like day dresses. It's not, it's it's, and they rewear them. And, 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 and the fact that, and nice dresses are a thing that they also appreciate. Like the whole thing at the wedding where they're, where they're basically commenting on how fine the weave is of her fabric on the wedding dress as she's driving away. Not like, Oh, well, she'll be happy. Oh, well, her like, wow, that's a nice dress. Like there's, that's the sort of simpleness that that the costumes play to because not everybody in historical dramas was rich just like not everybody in the (laughs) 1920s wore flapper dresses and i i like that i like the honesty Mm. in that like it like i said before i love that scene where they all combine their candle ends because that's like that's a real sacrifice for people you know like that's a real thing that they're that they're that they're committing to this larger endeavor, then that means something in their life. Anyway, like I said, I've apparently become like an Elizabeth Gaskell, like under the table progressive person. <laughs> so I just I'm like, look at that. Look at them acknowledging people of less means. Anyway, um, in, in terms of classic revisited, I think this is our second to last one this year. I don't think we're going to have a lot of time to come back to classics revisited um, with all of the television that is coming straight at us. So um, much television. That being said, I really do. Um, this is one that was, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is one that was suggested to us by one of our listeners. And we love that because it really does sort of help us like figure out which ones we want to do when we finally do have the time since we don't get to do these that often. So I really hope um, people out there, if you have something you really want to listen to, I just I really want to put out a plea to like email us and let us know because uh, we're we're at televisions at weta.org for those of you that don't just know that offhand <laughs> for some reason. Uh, I always like your pleas for period dramas because you all know how much I suffer. But uh, there's just I don't know the back catalog of everything I have on a post-it note to get to is very vast. So 
Yes, please send us your <laughs> send us your listener requests. Lines are open. Uh, and thank you, Jody, again for suggesting that we talk about this show, which I love and have loved and enjoyed getting the chance to think about again. Uh, that is our show for this week, and <laughs> we're staring down the barrel of a whole bunch of mysteries. So everyone, send me good vibes. Anyway, Annie, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies uh, at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, I have a staff writer here at Elite. I have a staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. Um, <laughs> and I also freelance around the web. If you want to know what I wrote this week, you should just you know basically go to my Twitter and follow me there because I retweet all of my bylines. Thanks. Woohoo! Uh, I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write here a lot at televisions and around the entertainment web. But I always tweet my bylines. So come and free, you know, be my... I started to say a weird combination of read and friend. Read and friend me. <laughs> I don't even know. Are those even words? I also just did a guest appearance on the All Things Tudor podcast to talk about Catherine de Medici and the Serpent Queen, my favorite topic of the moment. So if anyone wants to hear more of my thoughts there, go and check them out. If you have no need for any of that and just want to follow us on social the site and the pod are on twitter at telly underscore visions and televisions blog all one word on facebook we are a product of weta and if you like what we do you can find more of it at televisions.org where we've got news updates recaps general ramblings about all sorts of things we do try to cover a few more classics revisited there then we may have time here on the show i know i wrote about cranford a few months ago but you probably just heard all those thoughts right now uh, and if you want to help us keep making more great content for your eyes and ears, click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it. That is our show for this week. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I don't know. Pour one out for Queen Elizabeth and everything going on in the world. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.